Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Scott Stemmen Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. And this week has been a um, a very interesting week as far as what's been happening um, in Christianity. Um, if you haven't heard at the beginning of the week, um, a former uh, Hillsong writer, Marty Sampson, um, posted on his Instagram page that he has been... Uh, that he is uh, genuinely losing uh, his faith. So I want to go ahead and read his post and and kind of um, not only read his post, but also look at um, a rebuttal from uh, John Cooper, who is the um, lead singer for the uh, band Skillet. Uh, so I want to kind of look at two sides of this equation and try to understand the problem with uh, modern Christianity. So here is um, Marty Sampson's post um, on Instagram um, a few days back. It says, time for some real talk. I'm genuinely losing my faith and it doesn't bother me. Like what bothers me now is nothing. I am so happy now, so at peace with the world. It's crazy. This is a soapbox moment, so here I go. How many preachers fall? Many. No one talks about it. How many miracles happen? Not many. No one talks about it. Why is the Bible full of contradictions? No one talks about it. How can God be love yet sent 4 billion people to a place all because they don't believe? No one talks about it. Christians can be the most judgmental people on the planet. They can also be some of the most beautiful and loving people, but it's not for me. I'm not in anymore. I want general, gen, genuine truth, not that I believe it kind of truth. Science keeps piercing the truth of every religion. Lots of things help people change their lives, not just one version of God. Got so much more to say, but for me, I keep it real. Unfollow if you want. I've never been about living my life for others. All I know is what's true to me right now, and Christianity just seems to be like another religion at this point. I could go on, but I won't. Love and forgive, absolutely. Be kind, absolutely. Be generous and do good to others, absolutely. Some things are good no matter what you believe. Let the rain fall. The sun will come up tomorrow. So that was his original post uh, that he posted. Since then, he's taken it down off his Instagram page. And then he recently... Um, he recently began to, um, he basically, again, began to post some stuff about, um, um, about checking out these, um, Christian apologists, um, specifically named, um, Dr. William Lane Craig, Rabbi Zacharias, John Lennox, and others as far as these apologists who, if you're, if you're not sure what a Christian apologist is, it's someone who is able to answer the tough questions of the Bible, someone who is uh, trained to defend the, uh, defend the faith. And, um, and then about a day ago, he, um, uh, Marty Sampson posted on, uh, he told the Christian Post that he has not renounced his faith, but it's on incredibly shaky ground. Um, so that was his post. And I know this kind of falls in line because I think, what was it, like a month ago, um, uh, Joshua Harris, who wrote the book um, I Kiss Dating Goodbye, he renounced his faith. 
Um, and that was kind of a big shock. And that's the thing I keep seeing. Like, you know, I've never heard of Marty Sampson, but it says, man, the world was shocked that he, uh, he, um, you know, that he says that he's losing his faith and the world was shocked. And I have no clue who this guy was until I started reading about it. And then, um, it just seemed like right after that happened, um, John Cooper, the uh, singer from Skillet, um, wrote this on his, um, Facebook page on August 13th at about three o'clock PM. And, um, and it's very lengthy, so I'm going to read the whole thing. And then, of course, I'll post the articles on the uh, note shows to be able to, uh, so you guys can kind of look at this right now. But um, he writes this, says, Okay, I'm saying it because it's too important not to. What is happening in Christianity? More and more of our outspoken leaders or influencers who were once faces of the faith are falling away. And at the same time, they are being very vocal and bold about it. Shockingly, they still want to influence others uh, for what purpose, as they announce that they are leaving the faith. I'll state my conclusion, then I'll state some rebuttals to statements I've read by some of them. Firstly, I never judge people outside of my faith, even if they hate religion or Christianity. This is not my place, and I have many friends who disagree with my religion, and that's 100% fine with me. However, when it comes to people within my faith, there must be a measure of loyalty and friendship and accountability to each other and the Word of God. My conclusion for the church, all of us Christians, we must stop making worship leaders and thought leaders or influencers or cool people or relevant people the most influential people in Christendom. And yes, that includes people like me. I've been saying for 20 years and seem probably quite judgmental to some of my peers that we are in a dangerous place when the church is looking to 20-year-old worship singers as our source of truth. We now have a church culture that learns who God is from modern sing singing modern praise songs rather than from the teachings of the word. I'm not being rude to my worship leader friends, many who would agree with me, in saying that singers and musicians are good at communicating emotions and feelings, recreate a moment in a vehicle for God to speak. However, the singers are not always the best people to write solid biblical truths and doctrine. Sometimes we are too young, too ignorant of scripture, too unaware, or too unconcerned about the purity of scripture and the holiness of the God we are singing to. Have you ever considered the disrespect of singing songs to God that are untrue of his character? I have a few specific thoughts and rebuttals uh, to statements made by recent disavowed church influencers. First of all, I am stunned that the seemingly most important thing uh, for these leaders who have lost their faith is to make such a bold new stance, basically saying, I've been living and preaching boldly something for 20 years and led generations of people with my teachings, and now I no longer believe it. Therefore, I'm willing to boldly and loudly tell people it was all wrong Why I'll boldly and loudly lead people into my next truth. I'm perplexed why they aren't embarrassed, humbled, ashamed, fearful, confused. Why be so eager to continue leading people when you clearly do not know where you are headed? My second thought is, why do people act like being real covers a multitude of sins? As if someone is courageous simply for sharing virally every thought or dark place. That's not courage, it's cavalier. Have you considered the ramifications as if they are the harbingers of truth saying, I used to think one way and practice it and preach it, but now I've learned all the new truth and will start practicing and preaching it. So the influencers become the voice for truth in whatever stage of life and whatever evolution takes place in their thinking. Uh, thirdly, there is a common thread running through these leaders' influences that basically say that no one else is talking about the real stuff. This is just flatly false. I just read today in the renowned worship leader statement, how could a God of love send people to hell? No one talks about it. 
as if he is the first person to ask us, Brother, you are not that unique. The church has wrestled with this for for 1,500 years. Literally, everybody talks about it. Children talk about it in Sunday school. There are like a billion books written on the topic. Just because you don't get the answer you want doesn't mean that we are unwilling to wrestle with it. We wrestle with Scripture until we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. And lastly, and most shockingly, as these influencers disavow their faith, they always end their statements with their new insight, new truth that is basically a regurgitation of Jesus' words. It's truly bizarre and ironic. They'll say, I'm disavowing my faith, but remember, love people, be generous, forgive others. Um, why? That is actually not human nature. No child is ever born saying, I just want to love others before loving myself. I want to turn the other cheek. I want to give my money away to others in need. Those are Bible principles taught by a prophet, priest, king of kings, who wants us to live by a higher standard, which is not an earthly standard, but rather the kingdom of God standard. Therefore, Jesus is not the truth, and if the word of God is not absolute, then by preaching Jesus' teaching, you are endorsing the words of a madman. A lunatic who says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He also said that he was alive before Abraham, and to see him was to see God because he was one with God. So why then would a disavowed Christian leader promote that generosity is good? How would you know what is good without Jesus' teachings? And will your ideas of what is good be different from year to year based on the experience, cultural trends, popular opinions, etc.? And furthermore, will you continue year by year to lead others into the idea of goodness even though it is not absolute? I'm amazed that so many Christians want the benefits of the kingdom of God, but with the caveat that they themselves will be the king. It is time for the church to rediscover the preeminence of the word and to value the teaching of the word. We need to value truth over feeling, truth over emotion. And what we are seeing now is the result of the church rising up influencers who did not supremely value truth, who had led a generation who also do not believe in the supremacy of truth. And now those disavowed leaders are proudly still leading and influencing boldly away from the truth. Is it any wonder that some of our disavowed Christian leaders are letting go of the absolute truth of the Bible and subsequently their lives are falling apart? Further and further they are sinking in the sea, all the while shouting, Now I found the truth. Follow me, brothers and sisters in the faith all around the world, pastors, teachers, worship leaders, influence. I implore you, please, please, in your search for relevancy for the gospel, let us not find creative ways to shape God's word into the image of our own culture by shifting inconvenient truths, but rather let us hold on to even tighter to the anchor of the living word of God, for he changes not the grass withers and the flower fades away, but the word of God stands forever, Isaiah 48. So, looking at these two men, um, both Marty Sampson's kind of proclamation from his faith and John Cooper's rebuttal to what he wrote, um, I'm seeing a, a trend here. I'm seeing a trend in modern Christianity. And the problem that I'm seeing here is that so, uh, so many uh, people are buying into a gospel that is not the true gospel. And what I mean by that is, you know, we look at these worship leaders and this gospel that is proclaimed that only wants to preach truth um, as a way of feel-good truth, 
And when I say feel-good truth, it's basically a truth that is, in a way, avoiding the rough questions, a thing that's always going to talk about God's love and that God loves you, and basically, in a way, talks about, um, you know, that there is a God who loves all of us and wants the best for us, but we don't get to the other part of obedience, to him, obedience to living the life that he calls us to leave. And I know Diedrich Bonhoeffer in his book, um, The Cost of Discipleship, talks about um, the grace of God, how it's not a cheap grace, it's a costly grace. And when he describes cheap grace, he goes, well, we basically worship a Jesus without the cross. And it's like, yeah, we look at Jesus' teachings, we see Jesus as this communicator of God's love, but we also remember that he had to pay a price, that he died for the sins of humanity so that if we believe in him, that we can have life abundantly with him. Um, and so then we see that there's... A disconnect, and that's where John Cooper's kind of seeing this. It's like you have these people who are disavowing their faith, but yet they continue to say, Hey, I no longer believe this thing called Christianity, but I'm finding this new truth, so I'm going to preach it. But basically, it's the same stuff that they were preaching. It's like, Yeah, continue to love one another, you know, be kind. And it's like, Well, wait a minute. What are you doing here? You're kind of misleading people. And I think that's the big problem. The problem for me is that there are people who literally are, how do I, I'm trying to figure out how to say this. There are people who literally are, are preaching a truth that they believe, but it's not the truth of God's word. And even I know looking at different rebuttals, I know that there are some people when um, Marty Sampson was saying, well, how can God send billions of people to hell who don't believe with him? Well, I mean, there's been books written on that, even controversially, uh, the book Love Wins by Rob Bell that a lot of Christians were anti against. Uh, one of the things he said was, hey, God loves us so much that he gave you the right to choose. You could choose to follow him. You could choose to be obedient to him or not. He gives you the right to choose. And if you choose not to be obedient, if you choose not to um, be connected to his word, if you choose not to follow him, then when your time comes, then there you go. You've made your choice. So it all goes back to humanity wanting to choose. The same thing when you look at the Old Testament, if Israelites choose to follow God, God promised that they he would pour his blessings upon them, that they would be prosperous, that all this stuff would be great. But if they chose to continue to sin and worship other idols, then life would not be as great. And I think that's one thing that John points out is he points out that, you know, a lot of times people are finding their own truth that there's no absolute truth, that there's just people have their own truth of what they want to make it to be. And in a way, that's kind of idolatry in a way. That's why people made graven images so that they could worship these images based on what they believe, based on their truth. And the thing that I find so fascinating with all of this is that 
there is a there's this mentality within the body congregation. I'm going to kind of switch away from leaders and I want to really talk about how people look at these leaders and um oh, I can't even th- there is a pot I was listening to the Bad Christian podcast and there was an episode I'm trying to think about what episode number it was. Um let me see if I can find the um episode, but it was one of their episodes where they um where they um were interviewing a a fallen megachurch pastor. And one of the things that um and one of the things that they found what that he said he said the one issue that I think is an issue is that there's a lot of people who who um I'm sorry I'm I'm trying to look at where what episode that was um yeah Okay, it was back in April of 2019, April 24th. I believe it is episode 445 of the Bad Christian Podcast. Uh, but they were talking about um, Darren Patrick, who was the ex-pastor of The Journey in St. Louis, Missouri. And he talked a little bit about you know his fall and what happened and everything else. But the one thing he did say is that the big problem that he sees in the megachurch is this idea of the celebrity pastor. So with this idea of celebrity, I mean, that's the thing. Like if you think about churches, I'm going to do name association. And if I say a name, um, I want you to think about what's the first thing that's going to come in your head. So for an example, Hillsong, what's the first thing that pops in your head? Most of us would probably think of the worship band, Hillsong United, Hillsong Young and Free, Hillsong. Um, And when we especially attribute the Hillsong Church, we're not really thinking about uh, the pastor, uh, Joel Houston. Um, actually, anytime when I see anything about Hillsong, it's always about the worship band, never about his preaching. Um, if I was to say word of faith, most of us would probably associate that with Joel Osteen. But we're not really focusing on Joel Osteen's worship band or the worship band at the church that he's at. It's just Joel Osteen. Uh, same thing, even if I say elevation, I mean, most of us will probably think of Elevation Worship, um, or we would think of Stephen Furtick. So there's almost this idea of this celebrity, and even there's an Instagram page uh, called uh, Preachers and Sneakers, where there's a guy who basically looks at pictures of ministers, and he comments on the shoes they're wearing. Some of these shoes are almost in the thousands of dollars, and I'm thinking, my goodness, as a pastor, I wish I could afford shoes like that, but hey, I think I would use that money uh, to do better things with, like helping people, than buying um, the latest Jordans or or the latest Con- Kanye West shoes. Um, and I and I think a lot of times is people are so looking to find truth from these influencers, from these people who are communicators, whether they're a worship leader or a pastor or a teacher, but they're never willing to dive into the word of God. And I think the big thing that I always communicate to my church is, hey, 
make sure you're reading the word. We've been doing this series called Like Jesus with how we can be like Jesus. And almost every time I conclude an attribute of Jesus on how we should live like Jesus, I'm saying, well, how can we be intimate with Christ? How do we have our identity secure in Christ? How do we put on the character of Christ? What do we need to do? And every time I say, dive into the word and pray. I never say, just listen to everything I'm telling you and obey everything that I'm saying to you and take it as truth. Because at the same time, I mean, I know I'm racking up in years. I'm 37 right now. I had to think about how old I am now. You know, I'm 37 years old and I'm still reading the word and I'm still finding things that's fascinating and some new insights. Like even uh, this Sunday, I'm going to be talking about Jesus as a healer and how we are supposed to be healers. But one of the things I found fascinating, I was reading the uh, passage in John's gospel where Jesus appears to the disciples and it says that he was shown the disciples uh, the wounds in his hands and in his side. Well, then we read the next story of Thomas coming and people said Jesus appeared to us and he says, well, I'm not going to believe, I'm not going to believe um, unless, unless I touch the wounds in his hands. So then when Jesus appears, he goes to Thomas and says, hey, touch the wounds in my hand and touch the side. And then, of course, we get this thing about, you know, doubting Thomas. And that's kind of where that comes from. But here's the thing that I'm fascinated with is that Jesus has died, has resurrected. And yet, as he's appearing to these disciples, just instantaneously appearing to him, he still carries wounds. He still has the scars or the holes in his hands. He has all this woundedness. And it's like, wow, you know, Jesus being the son of God still carries the wounds of his crucifixion. And for me, I'm so blown away that I also need to be someone who's a wounded healer as well. That with the woundedness I experience, that I can use my own baggage, my own woundedness to bring healing to other people. And that's the one thing that, um, you know, and I think that's, and for that, I'm still blown away. And I mean, I mean, I've read that passage for years and this is the first time I've read it. And I thought, oh my gosh, Jesus still has the wounds in his hands. Like, Mind blown. But that's the great thing about reading the word. You keep reading it and you keep seeing new things that you missed before. Just like when you watch a movie. There may be times you may watch a movie and you may have seen it the 10th time and you now realize that, oh, I didn't catch this before. Or, oh, I didn't know that before. And um, I think the problem is, is that we take so much stock value in what people are telling us that we're not willing to look it up ourselves. We put we we are f- fascinated with making idols out of our Christian leaders that when they fall away we're so disappointed and we're like oh no and yet you know and then John brings up brings up this one point why are these people who are falling away from the faith who are renouncing their faith still trying to influence people and I think that's fascinating. Because and I and I have a re, and I think here's why they keep influencing people because you have to think about this you know I always think about ministers who retire you know there's a 
minister who they go, they serve in ministry, they preach, they preach in churches for X amount of years. They finally get to that age where they're ready to retire. So they retire. And then after they're retired for maybe about months or weeks or, or maybe even a year, we see that they're going back and they're doing like interim work or they're guest preaching or some of them may even just go to smaller churches where they're not being paid at all to kind of preach the word. And it's like, well, wait a minute. Why are you doing this? I mean, you know, you would think that being retired means that you're retired. You don't want to do any of that. But I think if all you've known is preaching the word, helping people with their spiritual journey in life, making sure that, you know, being influential to people, and if that's something you've known and you've done for, you know, in Marty's things for 20 years, then yeah, okay, I'm renouncing my faith or or I'm struggling with my faith. I'm fine. I'm going to be real with you. I'm going to speak my own truth and what I think the truth is. But then he will go and he'll say, but then he'll say, oh, people, follow me or here. Here's what you should say. If you don't want to follow me, unfollow me. But if you want to stick around, here, here I'm going to be searching and here I'm going to be posting on what I think or what I'm finding out. And it's like, wow, you know, the reason why they're still influencing people is because that's all they've done. I mean, you think about it. If you've been in the ministry for since you were 20 years old and all you've been doing is worship, 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 influencing people, talking about God's love, doing all this, and then you have a crisis of faith and you fall away, but then of course you're still going to be influential because that's what you know. That's what you've been trained to do. So it's not like you're just going to go and flip burgers at McDonald's you're going to go and try to, since you already have a platform that has been established through social media, uh, through um, certain circles, then it's like, well, hey, even though I'm moving out of this circle, I still have my circle of influences so I can still influence others. And I think that's very dangerous. And the only reason why people can do that is because people have bought into the celebrity church leader and they still continue to buy into a celebrity church leader. And I think that's kind of very dangerous. I think that is where things can quickly fall apart because you are doing more damage because you are promoting yourself as a celebrity within the Christian movement. And when people are looking up to you, they begin to idolize you. They idolize the worship. They idolize the preaching. They idolize the teaching and the teachers and the preachers and the worship leaders. That that's when things start to get very toxic. But that's kind of, but I think that's kind of the idea with modern society. We look up to the Instagram uh, models or the Instagram influence. We look up to what's happening in politics and we kind of look at our heroes, whether it's um, AOC or Donald Trump. We want to root for our heroes in the political realm. And the same thing happens in our churches. So, so I think that is where the problem lies. So that's kind of my thoughts. Let me know what you think. Let me know if you disagree with me. Let me know if there's some other insight, especially for those of you who may be um, in a position or even in a position where you feel like you are influencing. And maybe you're kind of at that point where uh, Marty is, where you're kind of doubting things, where you're questioning things and you're, you feel like you're stuck. 
Um, and maybe you're someone who you realize that, hey, you know, I am kind of making an idol out of my worship team or my pastor. You know, I would like to hear your comments, hear your thoughts, hear your opinions. And you can do that either through uh through my website, thescottstedman.com. Uh, you can also make comments on my um, Instagram page, the official Scott Stedman. Uh, you can also make comments on. Um, you could also make comments on uh, my Facebook page group, uh, the Scott Stedman Podcast. Um, there's a lot of different ways you can connect with me. So hopefully this has been insightful. Hopefully this is able to help. Uh, turn the gears in your head as far as how you see Christianity. And again, you know, I'm always here for you guys, here to um, talk with you, here to hear your comments and your opinions. Uh, but again, thank you guys so much for listening. I'll have a new podcast up uh, for you next week. Talk to you later. Bye. Stay out.